0: Welcome to Lethal Dose, your favorite toxicology focused podcast where we delve into true crime cases involving drugs and poisons. My name is Venus Deneco.
1: I'm a layperson
0: fascinated by true crime.
1: My name is Kayla Woods. I'm an author and toxicologist. Let's get started. that we've mentioned as vehicles for poisonings, or like what kind of foods do you personally associate with poisoners? Like what kind of stuff usually gets poisoned?
0: So in my head, well, we've done, let's see, we recently talked about cookies, Mm -hmm. recently Mm -hmm. talked about cookies, we've talked about tea. Mm -hmm. What else has been poisoned? Sweets, just sweets is what comes to mind for me though. Yeah. for whatever and I don't know why that is but <laughs> when I think of like somebody poisoning something I think of like poisoning sweets.
1: Well, you're definitely keeping in track with what we're doing today because I was going to say like tea, coffee, like bitter stuff with mm-hmm. a strong taste, but the mm. sweets, yeah. We're talking about more sweets today, kind of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard of somebody being poisoned by cheesecake?
0: No, that one I have not. (laughs) I have not.
1: Buckle up because here we go. (laughs) Okay, so. On September 2nd, 2017, the NYPD received a routine call from patrol with the victim stating she had items missing from her bedroom, including her passport and employment authorization card. So routine in terms of a routine burglary or theft call. Mm Mm-hmm. The victim was 35-year-old beauty stylist and Ukrainian immigrant Olga Svik. She realized the items were missing upon her return from the New York Presbyterian Hospital in Queens, where she was admitted twice for extreme dizziness and nausea, and fell into a coma for 34 minutes during her three-day stay. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Even after discharge, she still wasn't back to feeling herself, and could not after recall the interaction she had with police and had only her sister, who flew into the country when Olga became sick, and the reporting officer, Kevin Rogers, to help her. Rogers and Sfik said in an interview with 48 Hours that on August 28th, a client named Victoria Nasarova had called Svick and requested an emergency eyelash extension. <laughs> such sorry. an emergency. This is an emergency. <laughs> this
0: isn't an eyelash extension fucking emergency, emergency people yeah she was going to mexico <laughs> and day,
1: and you cannot uh, go with short
0: eyelashes well obviously <laughs> obviously who goes to mexico with just their
1: bare natural lashes Ugh. i know <laughs> <laughs> so svik wasn't working at the salon that day and she'd never done any work outside of the salon But it wasn't totally unusual for Nasarova to be requesting to spend time with her outside of work. So it seemed like another ploy to, like, let's hang out outside Mm. of work. Like, she was constantly trying to get the two of them to hang out and acting like they were friends. And Svick was like, we are client and provider. Like, I like you all Mm -hmm. right, but we are not friends. Right. And, you know, the attempts made her uncomfortable, but she was also, like, pretty unsettled by how similar the two women appeared. And, like, Hmm. looking at them, I suppose they do look kind of similar. Like, if you want to look them up right now, you totally can. You can type in their names and look them up. But I don't know that I'd call their resemblance, like, uncanny. Like, a lot of people on this 48 Mm. Hours episode were like, it was an uncanny similarity. And maybe it's just that I never got to see them side by side in the same lighting and whatever. But, like, they had a different eyebrow shape. They had a different nose structure. The size of their lips is totally different. And, like, maybe I'm just noticing all of this because, like... Eyebrows, you know, nose, lips. I'm looking at that on myself all the time. So I'd be able to see somebody who people are like, oh, she looks like you. And I'd be like, does she though? Because her eyebrows are way better than mine, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe if somebody did look a lot like me and they just had different eyebrows, I I would be like, whoa, that's weird. We're like twins except for eyebrows. (laughs) Right, 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 right.
0: Yeah, I'm looking
1: them up right now.
0: I mean, yeah, so it's similar. It's similar.
1: I mean, would you but call definitely, it
0: uncanny? No. Uh, no, definitely not.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. But she was thrown off by it. Olga was definitely thrown off by it. This new request to have her eyelashes done on this emergency call, it was different because it was business. So it was somewhat mm-hmm. justified. Svik was going to be making money. And so she agreed to allow Nasarova to come to her home and get her eyelashes done. Like, fine, I'll do it if you just leave me the fuck alone and go to Mexico and I don't have to see you for however long. Right. Right. But as soon as Nasarova showed up, things were about as weird as you might suspect when someone who's probably obsessed with you gets to be alone with you. Nasarova brought three slices of cheesecake with her, which she said were in some way famous. Like, famous bakery, famous cheesecake, whatever. And Svek just had to try it. You really have to try this. Hmm. So, Nasarova ate two pieces herself, they were kind of small pieces, and then insisted that Svek take the last one. And since they were so small, she ate the whole thing, and then within 20 minutes became terribly ill. The last thing she can recall is vomiting violently before passing out, and Nasarova was just walking around her home casually. And then after that... All she remembered was leaving the hospital so that she can't remember three whole days. Wow. And Svick was still pretty out of it when the police came over to investigate her initial call. And because she was so out of it, they didn't believe her story. Like this Kevin Rogers guy didn't believe her, thought she was making it up and that she had taken drugs and was like having a moment. So when
0: she was in the hospital for the three days, was Mm -hmm. it when she was sick for this or was it before this?
1: She was in the hospital. She she ate the che- cheesecake, was in the hospital, and then comes home Got and it. is like, my stuff okay. is missing. Perfect. Yeah, And so she's adamant that Noserova had done something to her. Like, even though mm-hmm. she's not totally there yet, she's like, this chick did Some something to me. Something, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And so they searched the home, whether to, you know, fill out their report or to humor her. They searched her home, and they found a container in her trash that had the cheesecake in it. They were like, oh, this, you know, there's like Mm. crumbs in it. It looks like cheesecake. So part of this is true. So police collected it as evidence. But then when Rogers, the reporting officer, called the hospital back to confirm Vic's story about her stay, you know, was she there for three days? He was told they couldn't Mm -hmm. divulge information about patients. And so that made him continue to think she's just making the whole thing up when it's like, Ugh. Yeah. It's like, that's come just on. Patient... How,
0: that's, that's how that goes. Yeah.
1: That's patient confidentiality. Like, sorry that police don't have all the keys to everything just because you asked, you know? So. Right.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but then he did actually try to locate Victoria Nassarova after this and then couldn't. So okay. months go by, the police pretty much let the case die. They're like, something happened to you, but we don't know what it is. We can't find this chick. And then a neighbor of Svick's went to the police himself and told them that a woman had visited Svick's house the day after the cheesecake incident.
0: Mm. And this time
1: she brought with her a bowl of chicken noodle soup. And she actually visited a number of times that day and even spoke with the neighbor and told him Svick was sick and she was checking in on her. After hearing this and seeing Naserova leave with the emptied and cleaned bowl, like, oh, she went and talked to Svik, I'll go check on her. Mm-hmm. The neighbor goes in and finds her in her bedroom that's in complete disarray, the heat is on full blast, and Svik is passed out on her bed wearing lingerie, despite having greeted Naserova the day before wearing sweatpants. Mm-hmm. So, Naserova or somebody, right changed Mm -hmm. this woman into lingerie. And to top it off, there were pills scattered about in the most cinematic staged suicide somebody could have possibly left behind. Like, nobody just (laughs) tosses their pills. They eat their pills. pills. Right, right. (laughs) So, finally, at this point, with the neighbor's information, Rogers believes that Svik was telling the truth the whole time. At the same time that Rogers resumed his search for Victoria Nasarova, a private eye named Herman Weisberg was also on her trail. He was tracking her through ads on Russian dating sites and social media sites that promoted her services as a dominatrix. Mm. Allegedly, Nasarova had a history of luring clients with these ads and then drugging and robbing them. Mm. When Svik finally felt able to return to work and started telling people what happened to her, one of her clients told her that she thought her husband's friend had also been drugged by Nassarova. Oh, wow. Right. And so she finds him. She talks to him. And this guy's name is Ruben Borakov. And about two months before Svik was poisoned, he allegedly met Victoria Nassarova on a Russian dating site. And she told him she was a good cook. And so they met at her place for a date. She was going to, you know, fix him up something. And after taking a single bite of the fish she'd prepared, Borokov passed out. Oh, wow. Nasarova allegedly robbed him of $1,000 in cash and charged $2,400 to his credit card. Two days later, when Ruben still hadn't regained consciousness, she took him to the dry cleaning shop he owned and explained to his employees that he was out of it because they'd been drinking wine together. And I don't know, maybe he also took a pill or something. (sighs) Right. Okay. His employees, like, don't buy this either. And his sister gets called. She calls an ambulance. He gets taken to the hospital. But before fleeing the scene, Nasarova also robbed the dry cleaners. Oh, my god. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She just cleaned this guy out. Mm. And Borokov, a lot like Zvik, he has no recollection of this. He doesn't remember coming into work. He doesn't remember Mm -hmm. the ambulance. But one of his employees, who thought the whole thing was real fucking weird, took a video of the encounter on their phone and captured. Right. And so she caught Nasaroma's image and they were able to hand that over to investigators. Like, this is what this chick looks like. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. But the date druggings and the robberies, these weren't the reason that Weisberg was hired to catch Nasarova. This is just how he was tracking her. Mm-hmm. In early 2017, just months before Sphick's ordeal, Nadia Ford hired Weisberg because her mother, Ala Alexienko, had gone missing back home in Russia. Before Ala went missing, Ford recalled that she had mentioned to her that she'd made a new best friend, and her name was Victoria Nasarova. This is in 2014. Victoria was Ala's neighbor in her apartment building in Russia, and that you had gotten so close that Allah trusted Victoria to bring her daughter, Nadia, a special gift of $6,000 in cash mm-hmm. and other valuables. Yeah, yeah, no. it's... Yeah, some people are just too trusting. This Allah lady seemed mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, that's... That's rough. And so, of course, Victoria never shows to New York and Ford is like, what's going on? On October 5th, 2014, Ford tried to call her mother at least a hundred times, but she never picked up. She called so many times after only not hearing from her for a couple hours because for the eight years that she'd lived abroad, she'd talked to her mother every day and every time she called, Olga had picked up. This was super mm. unusual. Right. Already she was suspicious of Nasarova. But when Ford checked her mother's phone records online, her suspicions were all but confirmed. The last call accepted by her mother's phone was from Nasarova at 11 p.m., the last day Ford had heard from her. Basically, she's done all she can from her home in New York. And so Ford goes back to her hometown in Russia to find out what happened to her mother. First, she tried to get nasarova to meet with her outside Allah's apartment building. And nasarova actually did show up. She didn't leave Russia with the gift. She was still there. She responds to Ford's texts. And when Ford confronted her, she loudly insisted that nothing was wrong. Allah was still alive somewhere. And then she took off. Like, mm. she physically ran away. <laughs> Liz, yeah, like
0: left the locale. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Ford contacted the police and had them enter Allah's apartment. And it was at this point that Ford realized that the place had been robbed. It wasn't just the $6,000 in the gift. It was cleaned out like Boracov Completely. Yeah. So all of the credit cards in Allah's wallet were missing. The wallet was left behind, which seems super suspicious. That's like, right. Right. Like, let me just take everything out of it because yeah. this is how their person's wallet was. <laughs> right. And all of her expensive jewelry was gone. And then also, all of her life savings was missing. And this is a big Mm -hmm. deal because it's a lot of money, but it was also hidden in like a pretty secretive compartment that only a trusted Hmm. person would would know about. Yeah, yeah. And so the police in Russia did seem to believe that Nasarova was a likely suspect. But when she fled, they didn't pursue her. They kept telling Ford to just wait, for Nasserova to come back, and then they'd continue the investigation. Like, Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. And so
1: Ford took it upon herself to travel all over Russia, posting missing persons flyers with her mother's face and information, and hoping... Because they didn't find her mother's Remains or
0: anything at the house.
1: No, no. The, as far as okay. I know, there was no signs of a struggle. There was no, like, blood. Just the robbery. Or, just the robbery. And so she's thinking that her mom is somewhere and someone knows mm-hmm. something and she can't get a hold of her, but she's going to find her. During her travels, she realized that many of the roads in Russia had surveillance cameras. And it was possible that one of the cameras had seen Alla's last movements with Nasarova or could at least place mm-hmm. Rova's whereabouts when Allah went missing. And these videos and photos might be hard to access in other places, you know, take months to get through red tape, but in Russia, Ford knew that she could buy the answers she was looking for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So she does, and on footage obtained from a camera mounted above a road 100 miles from Alla's ap- apartment, Ford found what she was looking for. At 10 a.m. on October 5th, nasirova passed under that surveillance camera with alla in the passenger seat ford contacted the police with her evidence and they told her that they already knew about this photo hmm. they told her that they were able to confirm that Nasarova did run the car that was seen in the picture and so they finally did their part in finding her and bringing her to the station for a lie detector test but the results weren't given immediately, and Nasarova was allowed to leave in their interim. And this is when she made her escape from Russia entirely.
0: I mean, yeah, do you blame her?
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, we've almost got you red-handed now. Right, right. So the picture continued to give Ford hope that her mother was still alive, even if Nassarova wouldn't help to find her. And Ford became intensely singularly focused on finding her and spent months looking. She basically dropped everything in her life to find her mother. Aww. In April of 2015, she was informed that charred human remains were found about two hours from Uncle's apartment near Nasarova's hometown, and authorities wanted her to help them make an identification. Ford positively identified the remains of those of her mother by only her teeth as identification. Yeah, That's sad. It's really sad. She was... This Nadia lady was just so broken up by the loss of her mother. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And to to bring her into, like, a room with charred human remains... Like, at at first she was like, there's no way that's my mom. There's no way.
0: Well, right.
1: Yeah, and then she, just the teeth, the only, the teeth were the only thing she had to identify her. And it's just, it's so tragic.
0: That it's, yeah, but she had to go through that. To,
1: yeah. Yeah. Interpol issued an international arrest warrant for Nasarova in the murder of Allah, and Ford returned to Brooklyn. But she was not done searching for the woman who took her mother from her. She found her, almost immediately, on Facebook nasarova had been posting selfies and updates constantly and ford learned she had traveled first to mexico and then to new york like nothing is going wrong in this woman's life she gets away with literal murder and then goes on another trip to mexico i guess this is her first of. this is her
0: yeah (laughs) oh right 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 this is an eyelash emergency
1: yeah yeah not this one (laughs) so ford informs the local police of you know what she has she also tells immigration but when their efforts to locate Naserova failed which it's like i don't i don't even think that they looked i think they just literally looked around try. where they were sitting and they were like well she's not right. in this room so she's not here <laughs> can't find her so this is when ford hires the pi herman weisberg and weisberg sounds he sounds great he sounds like the kind of pis that like shows get made about he didn't need any more information than Nasarova's facebook posts to begin narrowing his search for where she was physically located Based on a selfie she took in mirrored Ray-Bans, Weisberg determined that Nasarova was driving a Chrysler 300 from her mirrored ray selfie. selfie. That's crazy, yeah. It was such good detective work. That's great. Other Facebook activity indicated she was probably living in Sheepshead Bay, which is a Russian neighborhood in Brooklyn. Using these two pieces of information, he was able to locate the apartment building that he suspected Nasarova was living in, and then again confirmed his theory about that she was in this apartment by comparing landmarks in the area to those captured and yet another mirrored sunglasses selfie. This, <laughs> These sunglasses so are going to be her downfall. They I are.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the apartment and the Chrysler were not Nosorova's at the time that she was located, at least not yet. They both belong to Nasarova's boyfriend, who later told authorities that he allegedly also became one of her victims when she poisoned his pet beagle, Joey. Damn.
0: I know. She's, she's just she's going after the pets, too. I don't know.
1: She's going love after it. everyone.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't love it.
1: With her location confirmed, Weisberg called Interpol and Homeland Security, but representatives at both entities refused to do anything about it. And, like,. I'm not a fan of immigration or homeland security, but what the fuck is your job? Yeah,
0: literally, like, what are you for? Like, <laughs> what are you What are you doing with your life?
1: Yeah, like, stop trying to drown little kids at the border and go find this fucking murderer. Right. Jesus Christ. She's,
0: yeah, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, we just don't really feel like it today. I don't, like.
1: <laughs> she's a pretty okay. white lady. Could she really be all that dangerous? Right. <laughs> So, Weisberg turned his efforts to local law enforcement, and on March 20th, 2017, the NYPD arrested Victoria Nosarova. Nice. because yeah, NYPD nice. stands for Knock Your Punk Ass Down.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: right. They're like,
0: what? oh, we got somebody for us? We're on it. Yeah, we're <laughs> on
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn officers then got in contact with Kevin Rogers, that police de- detective who was investigating Olga Svick's poisoning. It was then that he fully believed, 100%, that Svick was telling the truth, and he confirmed for himself at least the motive for the poisoning. Several of Svik's stolen belongings were recovered in Nasarova's apartment, including handbags, a ring, and Svik's ID. And oh, the, wow. Right. And with the similarities in their features and accents, Rogers realized that Nasarova had attempted to kill Svik and steal her identity.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah,
0: this is darker than just, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's darker than just wanting an Hermes handbag or something like right. that. <laughs> so yeah. initially, no drugs or poisons had been found in the empty cheesecake container collected by police. But... After Nasarova's arrest, Rogers requested more extensive testing, which uncovered that the cheesecake had been laced with finazepam. Hmm. I haven't heard of that one. You wouldn't have, because although finazepam is a benzodiazepine like diazepam, Mm. which is Valium, Alprazolam, which is Xanax, or clonazepam, which is Klonopin, this specific benzodiazepine was developed in the Soviet Union in the 1970s. And it's mm. really only approved for use in the Soviet Union. And so, benzodiazepines are all drugs that can be used to relieve anxiety, muscle spasms, and reduce seizures. And this is because they're all GABAergic drugs. And like, we've kind of glossed over GABA in past episodes. so We should probably like dive into it officially now. Okay. So, GABA, G A B A, is GABA Aminobutyric Acid which is an amino acid that is the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter for the central nervous system. GABAergic, there's also GABAnergic, which does the opposite thing, because English is a great language to know. right? (laughs) So GABAergic neurons are those acted upon by GABA to inhibit nerve transmission in the central nervous system. And this is what causes the depression of the central nervous system and reduces seizure activity. So it's acted on to to inhibit things like, you know, electrical signals in the brain that cause seizures Mm -hmm. because those active neurons are now being suppressed. Shuts it down. One used in conjunction with other CNS depressants and GABA receptor agonists, such as alcohol, the effective benzos are increased and can become fatal from respiratory depression. Should never mix anything with alcohol, should never mix depressants because they could come the together and make you stop right. breathing. Right. So, finazepam was originally used for the treatment of epilepsy, panic attacks, and alcohol withdrawal. Typical doses for finazepam therapeutically. Still are because it is still used in Russia and some of the surrounding countries. Mm-hmm. Um, typical doses are 0.5 milligrams taken two to three times a day, and they usually don't exceed five milligrams a day. So you really don't want a okay. whole lot of this in your system at all. Mm-hmm. And that's because it has a very long half-life in the body. It's estimated to be mm-hmm. between 15 to 60 hours, which is a long Oh, time. wow. That's a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a single yeah. dose of phenazepam is one tenth the recommended dose for Valium, and has been reported by recreational users to exhibit effects in a fashion with which correlates as such. And so it feels like you're taking really strong Valium. Gotcha. Considering how small the doses are needed to be therapeutic, they are easily exceeded, especially when used mm-hmm. recreationally. Recreationally or homicidally, you know. Sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But recreationally, these doses are estimated to be closer to 2 to 10 milligrams at a time and can bring on side effects including amnesia, dizziness, loss of coordination, drowsiness, blurred vision, slurred speech, and general central nervous system depression. At very high non-lethal doses, it can also cause delirium and psychosis, including auditory and visual hallucinations. Oh, wow. yeah, it's it doesn't sound like a good time. It's not a good honest. time. Yeah. Yeah. As in Sphix case, these effects can be quite profound and long lasting, and twenty three percent of hospitalized patients in a study of the Swedish Poisons Information Center were found to experience effects five days after exposure. Oh wow. And some research has suggested that acute poisonings from Finazepam can have central nervous system effects which last up to three weeks.
0: Ugh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this one can stain. Yeah, community. and that's from an acute Yeah, well, and
0: that's an acute poisoning. That's not even, like, chronic. Yeah, that's not even, that's like, crazy. You, yeah,
1: yeah. Right. For individuals taking finazepam therapeutically, abrupt cessation of their medication can can result in withdrawal symptoms including anxiety, insomnia, seizures, and convulsions, although this is not dissimilar to withdrawal from other benzos in general. Right. The pills which were found on the scene were finazepam pills. So it's kind of weird that finazepam was apparently not sought out in sfix toxicology at the hospital because they didn't find anything on board for her. Mm-hmm. But that's possibly because finazepam is not a drug often found in the U.S. Because it's... Sure, so it's not like on a common tox panel. So. Right, right. I mean, that makes that does make a lot of sense. Right. Or it could be because the pills might not be labeled the same way in other countries. Like, here we have a system. You can look at a pill, look it up, and you can tell what it is. But mm-hmm. smugglers bringing finazepam to the U.S. will often pass them off as Valium pills anyhow. And so they might have mm-hmm. looked and said, this looks like Valium. Right. And so they didn't realize that the pills were finazepam until they were tested by the DEA, once the DEA was brought into this whole thing.
0: Is there a reason why the finazepam isn't approved in the U.S.? I mean, it's probably
1: just because it is a Soviet Union drug and we don't play well with them. Um, right. But it's, it's also really not approved for use anywhere in the world, except Russia and then the countries I was alluding to earlier are... Belarus, and then some of the countries in the commonwealth of independent states, like Moldova. And I really don't think it has a whole lot to do with its its potency or anything as much as it is just that it's a Soviet drug. It um, was created by them. Mm-hmm. Right. I think analysts, I mean, they might be aware. I'd never encountered finazepam or anything like that when I was in the lab. But, like, they should be aware of the illicit use and sale, you know? Of finazepam, like, even if it's not approved here, it could still, like, there are more and more every couple of years reported cases of overdoses and deaths from finazepam in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a quick high because you don't need a whole lot of it. It can be used as a date rape drug, but it's also been found mixed into other things. So, like, in New Zealand, they found it in a synthetic cannabinoid called chronic, and then... Mm. Here in the U.S., they have found it in LSD Mimic Blotters and also in air fresheners called Zanny. And huh. the air freshener gets past most U.S. Regu- regulations, like you can sell it legally, because finazepam is a controlled substance and it's only prohibited for sale for human consumption. So if you sell it as an air freshener, oh. right... Right. But Louisiana, I believe, was the first state that passed a bill to make Xanny illegal in 2012. And so we are catching yeah. on in, bit right. by bit. Slowly. You know? yeah. yeah.
0: And so we're like, with the air freshener, were people trying to
1: inhale it? Or can you inhale it? Yeah. Yeah. You can ha- inhale it. I mean, it's usually available in pills, it can be available as an injection. And so you can put it into a liquid form it's also used transdermally in russia in a like a legal patch there but right. you, you know it can be bought as a powder and then you can do whatever you want with it but since there are so few toxicity studies outside of russia and it's not an approved drug here the toxicity risks of these illicit routes of administration are unknown and so i don't mm. advise it like this zani right. seems dangerous and potent, who knows how many milligrams are in there. Right. And you're inhaling it. Like, we know that when you inhale something and it goes into your lungs, it's it's, it's way different. It's direct, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Apparently, though, finazepam is also especially dangerous in a hot environment. I couldn't figure out why, exactly. I mean, benzos are no, known to cause hypothermia because of how they dysregulate the hypothalamus, and... It, this kind of depends on whether or not they're a full or a partial GABA agonist. So if they're like specific key or a skeleton key to GABA, I guess is kind okay. of the metaphor, then that makes them stronger or weaker in terms of how much they can induce hypothermia. And you'd think if it causes hypothermia, then a raised temperature environment would help to kind of regulate you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's a total dysregulation of the hypothalamus. And so in a hot environment, you get hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Either way, this is probably why Nasarova cranked the heat up in svick's house after poisoning her. And why it right. was so hot and in- gotcha. Yeah. And like, I thought that that was her trying to like mess with the rate of decomposition so that they couldn't pin oh, when she died like or when something. When the time of death. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. They put all this together. Nasarova's charged in New York for the attempted murder of svick as well as assault and grand larceny, and was held in Rikers Island jail awaiting trial. Nasarova maintained that she had nothing to do with the death of Ala Alexienko, and that <laughs> when she was asked by the 48 hours guy, like, did you hurt people? Did you poison anyone? What she said in Russian was that she did not force Olga Svik to eat the poisonous cheesecake. <sighs> Okay. right fucking right <laughs> okay
0: like so because she said yes to your poison cheesecake it is not your fault <laughs>
1: yeah i'm gonna it's not do your fault this with the in there
0: <laughs> okay sure 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 sure. she sure, ate sure. it
1: she she, did she the ate thing it with her mouth and i didn't make her do she, Right, I didn't
0: make her eat it, and sure, she didn't know that it was poisoned, but I mean, that's a chance you take every time you bite into a cheesecake. (laughs) You never know. You
1: never know. With with fucking Victoria Nasarova it apparently is. Yeah. (laughs) You should know that when you come over to my house, there's a chance you'll get poisoned. That's just... (laughs) Right. So, anyhow... The pandemic delayed her trial, which is like, I don't know, that's what they said on 48 Hours, and it's like, was it just the pandemic? Because she was booked in, like, 2017, 2018. Like, was it the pandemic? plenty of time. <laughs> 2020,
0: last time I checked.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyhow. plenty of time to
0: check that out, but okay.
1: Right. But so she was in custody for six years before being tried Oof. in January 2023 for attempted second-degree murder. On February 15th, 2018, she pled not guilty to the attempted murder charges, and then later that year, she was brutally attacked by other inmates at Rikers Island and sued New York City for negligence in the attack. The city settled, oh, wow. and she received $325,000. <sighs> right, Jeez. Right. Which, like, she sounds like a terrible person. She sounds like a really awful person. I... We don't necessarily agree with incarceration in some cases, but, like, this is why you want speedy trials, because then people are in jail for six years and get the shit beat up.
0: Right, and there's, right, there's a way higher chance over a six-year period of time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, like, Like, maybe she spouted some shit or something, but, like, take better care of people. Like, man, Yeah, I don't know. Opening statements began on January 30th, 2023. This year. Wow. I know. This is <laughs> so recent for us. I'm so timely. <laughs> so, at trial, Nadia Ford was called to the stand but could only discuss the details of her mother's case briefly since Nasarova is still set to face trial in Russia for the murder of Allah. But... The prosecutors needed her to be there to prove that Nassarova really did have something she was hiding from, which is why she had stolen Sphix's identity. Mm -hmm. And Nassarova's defense didn't call any witnesses. Nassarova herself never answered questions during the trial. But they instead relied on the fact that, well, no one saw her put finazepam on the cheesecake. Oh, my God. Maybe it just came that way. I Maybe don't Maybe that's <laughs> how it
0: came from
1: the bakery. <laughs> yeah. she's She's got him convinced that you just, when you eat cheesecake, there's a chance you'll get poisoned. <laughs> there's a chance you'll get poisoned. <laughs> the defense also pointed out that they didn't find anything in Spick's system at the hospital, which, like, mm, that doesn't mean that there wasn't anything in her body like that just means they right. didn't find it's it like we
0: talked about we do, right and like we talked about this isn't a common drug in the US it's not something that they're testing for all the time so right like, yeah yeah she didn't have it because there wasn't anything else mm-hmm. to test you know so
1: right okay and then he was like also she hasn't assumed any false identities while in Brooklyn She's living as Victoria Nosirova. She hasn't stolen anyone's identity, which is like pretty low. If you have to be like, she hasn't assumed any fake identities yet, right? <laughs> she just has the person's ID, killed right. them, like, right? But in BD, in BD. <laughs> The the prosecutors pointed out that Nasarova's visa was about to expire, and if she went back to Russia, she would have to face murder charges there, which Mm. is why she needed Svik's credentials. I Right. Makes sense. So the jury deliberated for an hour and a half and came back with a guilty verdict for second-degree murder, first-degree attempted assault, second-degree assault, first-degree unlawful imprisonment, and petite larceny, which is apparently for low-value stuff. As opposed to grand mm-hmm. larceny.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. I've never sense. heard of
1: petite larceny before. That makes sense, though. Makes <laughs> sense. On March 21st of this year, she was sentenced to 21 years with credit for time served. So the now 47 year old Nasarova could be released in 2038, after which she will be deported and taken to trial in Russia. Oh, wow. In the meantime, her lawyer Jose Neves has already filed an appeal against the verdict because of legal procedural errors and evidentiary issues that occurred during the trial. Neves also told NPR that, quote, the defense believes that Judge Holder's sentence was excessive and inappropriate given Ms. Nasarova's life circumstances, her mental illness history, family support, and her traumatic experiences while living in the United States. Like, cry me a fucking river. I've had despite traumatic all experiences that? here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Despite all of that, like, you don't get to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Despite mental illness, despite, like, lack of family support, shitty life c- circumstances. Yeah. You don't get to kill people. I hate to break it to you, Victoria.
1: But... Yeah. And you don't get to not kill them, but just poison and rob them either. Like, that's not right. okay and like you don't get to do any of that yeah yeah so yeah so there's the cheesecake poisoner (laughs) wow
0: somebody's out here still poisoning still poisoning sweets in this this day and age i
1: know right i know i mean luckily she's in prison and hopefully not poisoning any cheesecakes there but yeah no yeah it's it's the sweets apparently it's not the bitters it's the sweets you got to watch out for the sweets i don't know thank you for another interesting case yeah I also Weird think one. cheesecake is an interesting choice because it doesn't have much of a flavor, and it, so it doesn't cover up much of a flavor.
0: No, I'm mean, yeah, it would definitely need to be like a chocolate or a cherry cheesecake situation to yeah. get away with that. I feel
1: like. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it was a traditional New York plain cheesecake, but maybe right. maybe it was cherry or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, you are welcome. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it's all, all these. <laughs> sweets poisoning stories so until next time until next time thank you
0: for joining us we hope you enjoyed this episode please like follow subscribe and review us
1: everywhere you get your podcasts for more lethal dose content you can find us at lethal dose pod on instagram tumblr and tiktok for an overdose of content subscribe on patreon
0: for exclusive episodes and much more
1: the show theme is Look Far by our dear wizard friend Fogweaver. More of their music can be found on Bandcamp.com. Lethal Dose is created, researched, produced,
0: and edited by Kayla Woods and Venus Steneko. Stay safe and remember, the dose
1: makes the poison.